0: Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Welcome, everybody. We have Leslie Bosch again. Uh, It was a blast, and we actually just booked another slide. We're going to get a little more technical this time. We're going to talk about psychology, coaching, uh, her services, and there's tons of value she's going to bring to the table. I can already tell leslie take it away
1: well hi josh thanks so much for the opportunity to be with you i really appreciate the chance to come back it was great to see you last time and i look forward to to you know our interview today
0: me too um so can we uh can you give everyone else is listening in but <laughs> they didn't hear what we were chatting about earlier sure. um well, the the specifics of what you do and your coaching and all that
1: You bet. Well, before I became a coach, like many Americans, I was working long hours in a very demanding job. Unfortunately, I was also mismanaging my stress. In fact, at that time, I really didn't even know that stress management was a thing. I was eating lots of junk food. I wasn't exercising. I was sleeping poorly. I was tense all the time. So I was sort of like, you know, snapping at my husband. And I certainly wasn't making time to have any fun. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was essentially unwittingly trading my well-being, my health and my relationships for success in my career. And fortunately I sort of you know I came was coming to the end of that strategy and beginning to have some you know some difficulties some health issues and so fortunately I enrolled in a wellness class that was offered through the Andrew Well Center for Integrative Medicine where I learned about an integrative approach to health and basically an integrative approach to health recognizes the interdependence of seven core areas of health including sleep nutrition movement relationships, resilience, which is really stress management, spirituality, which is really that sense of purpose, and then environment, which is really about are you getting enough nature in your life or are you nature starved? so as, so as you can imagine, you know during the class, like basically I was encouraged to clean up my act in all these seven core areas of health, which, which I did. And after several months of concerted effort, I began to feel better. And I lost some weight and I felt more relaxed, more connected to my husband, more purposeful and productive again. And I was so happy with my lifestyle changes that I took my efforts to the next level and I became a national board certified health and wellness coach. Now I work with others to improve the quality of their lives as well. That's awesome. So then, um,
0: like you were saying, you went to the one thing in uh, the event. When did you realize though, that you wanted to be a coach?
1: Well, pretty much when I was in the you know, I I started I actually have my PhD in family studies and human development. Oh, so wow. basically, I've been studying how people change, grow and develop over the life course for like 15 years. And I really loved doing that. I really loved um, figuring out, you know, kind of interventions and things that we could do to help people navigate the changes that they can expect. And, you know, so expected and unexpected changes that they are going to inevitably face throughout their lives. So I really um, was excited by the chance to sort of apply that through like a coaching practice. Because before it was all sort of going into scientific papers that were being published in peer reviews, peer reviewed articles. But I wasn't really getting to work with individuals.
0: So then that's when you're like, okay, I did my studying,
1: but now I actually want to like practice it. Yes, exactly. Now I want to do more of an applied approach and have an opportunity to really work with individuals, um, you know, to try and improve the quality really of their developmental challenges, transitions, things like that.
0: So then what type of coaching and the coaching and therapy do you offer uh, specifically?
1: Well, I think that's really great that you that you sort of use coaching versus therapy. So this is one of the things that people sort of don't really know what coaching is. And this is really why I wanted to come on the show and talk a little bit more about this because coaching is a really powerful tool that people can use to help them, you know, get what they want in their lives, achieve their dreams, overcome challenges, um, you know, really sort of cultivate skills that can serve them well in the long run. But a lot of times people don't know what a coach is and how they could really help them. Typically, when people think of this kind of relationship, they do think of therapists and therapy. So coaching, actually, I help people more specifically with stress management, but I can also help people um, that are like sort of just in a tough transition, and we can talk more about the kinds of things that I've helped people overcome if you want.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, can you can we go into a little bit?
1: You bet. So like I mentioned, the biggest change that I made was in the in my personal life was in the area of stress management. And resilience because I really didn't understand how I was mismanaging my stress and the impact that it was having on me and on my mental health and basically on my relationships. And so from that, I really created my stress reset program, which consists of five science back strategies designed to help you optimize your response to stress so that you can make that bigger impact without sacrificing your health, your well-being or your personal relationships. Essentially, that program shows you how to keep an eye on your stress levels, how to regulate your emotions, how to apply your signature strengths and core values, how to achieve and maintain a flow state, and basically how to talk to yourself in ways that promote mental agility and emotional well-being.
0: So then um, can we get a little bit more specific on uh, the five things? Uh, like we got the general, but it's like step one, I I do this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. A lot of that is really something that takes time, right? Okay. Typically when people, I don't want to get too into the weeds with this, but when people do coaching, this is another great question. People don't know how long can I expect really to sort of, you know, work with the coach. Now, if you really wanted to optimize your, um, stress response, like through a program, like my stress reset program you probably would spend you know 90 days which is um about three months and you can stretch it out to about six months as well but typically scientists have really discovered that in order to cultivate any new habit you're looking at about a minimum of three to six months of concerted effort to make a
0: change so it's not the 21 days to make a habit
1: well that that is that is another thing right that is another thing <laughs> um sometimes people it depends on the habit you know like sometimes you can change things very quickly very easily other things take much longer to sort of get as it were into your into your daily rituals into your daily routines so there's still a kind of lot of um you know some controversy around how long it really does take to get something achieved yeah. as it were.
0: Right. Yeah, because it is one of those um <laughs> for me, I've been I i lean myself off uh going too fast. I lean my stuff off uh slowly. Like I had a really bad coffee problem, but I turned decided to go cold turkey one day and oh man she, <laughs> I'm like jerky and shaky. I'm like what's wrong? I'm like, I gave up coffee, man. So that's yeah. where I would I would do I think it was like three cups. So I did two and a half cups, then two cups, then one and a half, then it was just half a cup. Then I was going to work and I'm like, oh, I don't even have a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's perfect example. It depends on what you're working on about how long it's going to take you to get that ingrained. Other things like losing weight or quitting smoking, or um, again, trying to change your thought habits. Like a lot of people thought habits are really challenging because you can't see them very well. (laughs) <laughs> they're yeah. kind of invisible so again different habits are going to take different amounts of time to to break
0: yeah so would that be then part of the, the therapeutic aspect of helping the the personnel is the i guess the coach saying like you're not alone on this path kind of thing and here's here's examples why
1: Right. So a lot of the ways that coach really can help you is basically that they will, you know, they'll hold a space, right, where you can talk about sensitive issues. Now, a lot of people, when they're trying to learn something new, it's hard to just say, hey, I'm having difficulty. Hey, I I need help. Hey, I'm not you know, like always keeping up the appearance on social media. I'm not like flawless. right? So a lot of times it can be really challenging for people even just to share their struggles, especially in America where, you know, you're supposed to always have it together and you're never supposed to be struggling with anything. Right. So a lot of times that's one of the first things that a coach can do for you is they can, you can, they can create a space where you can feel safe enough to share what's troubling you, where it's breaking down, where you're having difficulty. And this in and of itself can a lot of times be like what you're saying, therapeutic. Again, I want to be careful with the word therapy because it isn't therapy, but it can be reassuring. It can be normalizing. It can be validating that you're not alone, that other people struggle with um, challenges too, and that other people learn and grow and change too. Very
0: true very true um it's the like for me i i think i mentioned this last time but i kind of glazed over it i had a a rough like childhood everyone was calling me a monster and all that and um (laughs) that that's where i was i was joking for before and i'm like how far are we gonna go down the rabbit hole on this um but uh especially with talking with wonderful people like you on the podcast i've come to realize i'm like oh that's just i hadn't i had no one to compare with like if I had Leslie, it would have been amazing. I'd been like, here's my monthly subscription. Help me out.
1: Right, right. So, right. So somebody like a developmental psychologist or a psychologist or just somebody who's really well informed with what's going on when you're growing up and really well informed about bullying really well informed about peer relations really well, well informed about self-advocacy really well informed about how maybe to interface with people somebody also who was there and could have um, intervened because again as you as you may know now lots of schools have lots of anti-bullying programs because they they really research has helped us to really understand that it's really problematic for people. Now, of course, you can't really get it all out of the culture because even as you grow up, you're still going to run into bullies in the workplace. Right. So yep. bullying is not something that just disappears. <laughs> right. And even the right. definition of bullying really is difficult for people even to just decide what are we talking about when we're talking about being bullied. Right. Right. So, again, this is definitely a challenge that people can still run into, which is about how to advocate for yourself and how to take care of yourself when people might still be, you know, bullying or running roughshod over your preferences. Right.
0: So then uh, we don't have to give the whole eggs and bacon's away. but what are some tips or tricks you'd offer for someone uh, Some like two cents knowledge that we don't know about?
1: Well, in terms of, again, this is a nice thing about coaching. What a coaching coach can offer is that you're really going to get that personal attention so the the per, the coach is really going to hone in on what's going on with you in your unique situation. So they're, they're really not giving you sort of those Band-Aid uh, um, approaches to the problem or the one size fits all. They're really going to be trying to understand you a little bit better, the challenges that you're facing, and then basically how they can bring your strengths forward and help you to jump into a lot of times what might be the next phase, which is skill building, right? Like, what is it that you need to do more of and less of, in order to begin to change the dynamic in those relationships where you still might be having difficulty. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. No. I'm just trying to think of a question now. It's um, so for the um, the dynamics, the strengths, and weaknesses. I have a pretty good perspective of what mine are. But let's say I'm a new client of yours, and other than working hard and not asking questions, I'm asking you. Can you help me find my uh, strengths and weaknesses? Uh, what would be the process for that then?
1: Great. Well, there are, there are a lot of tools out there that can help you do that. Okay. And I tend to um, have like my favorite tools. Um, for instance, the values and action survey by positive psychologist. Um, Paul, I think, what is it's Paul, uh, Seligman, I can't think of his. Martin Seligman. Uh, he is the big father of positive psychology and he has created um, with colleagues a wonderful measure that can help you to surface your what he calls signature strengths. They recognize like there are six virtues and 23 supporting character strengths that people have. And again, everyone has their unique signature strengths, which are their top five strengths that they can bring. So and other, I also have other tools to help people identify their values. And this would be a really big, important part of what we would do. First of all, people would surface their strengths and their values. And then we would start to talk about how they can use their strengths and values in the situation that's challenging them. Or even understanding like how their strengths and values are, are making their life better like how it is, like where these things are showing up in their life for better or worse, if that makes sense.
0: Right. So the, the, the question I was asking you, which we led into just fine. Let's say then like my original, I have a concept, but where do I apply it in my life? Because certain of my skills, they're good to have, but in normal life, it's not really applicable kind of thing.
1: Right. So your coach can sort of help you understand how those skills are more applicable, or the coach could help you to move in directions where those skills would be more applicable. If that makes sense. So that you could, again, have a better, see, this is one of the things that you understand a better, what they call person environment fit. So a lot of people, when you're looking for that dream job, this is what they're looking for. Where do my strengths where they needed in the workforce because where they're needed if i can just give them well then this is a good fit between me and what's needed if that makes sense my strengths and their demands
0: right so then let me just layer onto that um and let's say i'm a very strategical pattern thinker but at the same time i'm very creative um and just trying to think of some high points um so let's say there's a very strategical pattern person, but is also just like creative. How would you, as the coach, be like? Okay, with your skill sets, even though it's painful, you might want to be considered a uh, considered coding kind of thing. And then, well, that was the whole thing, and this is more of a statement than a question. Sorry,
1: it's okay. And this is certainly again back to different kinds yeah. of coaches. So I love that you're bringing that forward. So here again. um, some, coach, some coaches are more career coaches and um, I'm less of a career coach. I'm more of, like I said, a health and wellness coach mm-hmm. and a stress management coach. So I really um, would be using more how your your strengths and weaknesses could help you in your efforts to advocate for yourself in your efforts to clarify your goals in your efforts to um, deal with conflict. In your efforts to manage your time better, you know these kinds of things that are more about stress management.
0: That was more what I was going for. <laughs> good, good one, Leslie. Um, so then, the the next part is, um, how, sorry, I'm trying to read the question and do something different. It's the what have you helped clients with? Which actually we just answered that. So, what are some of the stories from the um, uh, clients that you've helped? And what are some of their success stories you've uh, done? with them.
1: Yeah, great. And I can, I can say that, like, I do have some situations that I've helped people with. So I've helped people definitely um, dealing with ever expanding work demands. A lot of people are struggling right now, because it just seems that, that their, their jobs just keep asking for more and more and more. And the life work balance thing is just sort of going out the window. So I've helped people to deal sort of effectively with this. Um, I've helped people who are having difficulty sleeping. A lot of times stress shows up in their sleep. They can't get to sleep. They can't stay asleep. They're waking up in the night with concerns because they really can't turn their mind off. So I really successfully helped people to get back to healthy sleeping routines, right? Mm -hmm. I've helped people deal with a new health crisis, like one client, for instance, you know, she got a new cancer diagnosis and this was very disorienting, very frightening, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And basically, I just helped her to get back um, to, again, her strengths, her values, what she could do and helped her to think about how to move forward. I've helped people pass high stakes exams. I've helped people make difficult decisions, for instance, like whether or not to divorce. This is extremely stressful when you have a big, difficult decision and you don't know what to do, right? Again, having a coach that's that sort of neutral third party, that's a sounding board that can help you to think through things in a safe environment, can be a real asset. I've helped people deal with conflict. A lot of times in this regard, I can help to build with skill building, help them with some ways to communicate their concerns and to listen effectively and empathetically to others. I've helped people deal with new leadership positions. A lot of times people discover when they get a new promotion that that what got them there isn't going to work to get them to the next level of what they have to do. Sometimes we can think about this in terms of like bud to boss. People don't know how to be more like a boss and less like a colleague. They need to learn those skills. I've helped people negotiate a raise, which can be very stressful. I've helped Mm -hmm. people deal with presentation anxiety. I've helped them work with a difficult boss. I've helped them care for sick parents. I've helped them transition to retirement. A lot of people don't realize how stressful this transition to retirement can be because they are giving up their beloved sort of work identity, and they don't yet know what they're doing next. And ultimately, I really help people just prioritize self-care because, again, a lot of people need to take care of themselves, but they don't really feel that they either know how or that they have permission to do that.
0: It's interesting you bring up permission. I think like we mentioned earlier, the American society and how everyone's got to be Spit bop, spit spitbop i don't even know what i'm going for but you got to act like everything's hunky dory but yeah it, it almost seems like it, it's hard for people to like you said ask for permission i i'm like i i joke with all my uh co-workers and whoever they're like oh josh how are you doing i like, Oh, "I feel like shit depressed as hell <laughs> they all know it so it's like well that's josh kind of thing he's just yeah. gonna say what he's thinking but yeah. yeah a lot of people though that have told me they're like dude why do you do that like you're not supposed to say that i'm like where's that written on the wall? We're like, where's that written on the wall that I can't say that?
1: Well, absolutely. And that is because people might not take you seriously. People might, people might not think that you're stable. People might be really concerned. They don't know what to say to you, you know? So there's a lot of reasons why, um, It's again, back to that safety issue. It's just easier to give the pat answer and move on. And a lot of times people only want the pat answer because they too are overwhelmed and they just want to move on. So again, this is again, back to that thing about how, if you can do it, what a benefit a coach is because they're really there to be there for you and to listen to you and to help you with your concerns.
0: 100%. So the one I actually want to touch back on, because it was interesting, I've noticed this in general, is the stress doesn't let you sleep, right? What are maybe some techniques that you would uh, suggest to a client?
1: Well, sleep, you know, you a lot of times think it's like a a quick and easy fix. But a lot of times, sleep things you have to sort of look at the person's like, unfortunately, Josh is going to be a theme with us. I think there are no quick fixes. Right, A lot of times, unfortunately, right, people, this is one of the primary reasons people come into coaching is because they recognize that the quick fix, the mandate approach, the trying to piece it together just isn't cutting it and isn't probably going to cut it. And they recognize that they're probably going to have to dig a little deeper to figure out what's going on. But with sleeping, you really do need to sort of look at the person's day because there's a lot of things like caffeine intake too early in the day could create problems. Exercising too late in the day could create problems. Um, Drinking too much alcohol before bed can create problems. Um, Even eating too much food before bed can create problems. Um, But a lot of times what's really going on for people like not exercising enough, right? Not being able to take control of their mind. The biggest thing that we find is that people need to understand that they have a mind and that they need to run their mind, right? Like a lot of times we think that we are our mind, right? So our mind is kind of like a, It can we could compare it like a a metaphor would be like a small child or a a dog or a horse, something that we need to train. Right. The point is our mind is not something like or um, like a car that we need to run, if that makes sense. So in other words, we shouldn't we need a lot of times we need to recognize that we are over identified with our mind and we think our mind can only do what it's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And somehow we have to begin to understand that no, we have a mind that we can run, that we can ask to operate for us. And that sometimes our mind really can operate against us. And we really do need to be able to create that, as it were, supervision. Some people, scholars call it metacognition, where, and this is why meditation can be so very helpful because you can begin to catch sight of your mind and what it's doing. And when you have that, the beginning of that, you can see what you're thinking, then you can begin to see how that's not working for you.
0: Yeah, it's very true on the meditation. Uh, That's been my recent journey. The last two years with, especially with COVID um, is, well, I was, I was curious why everyone was freaking out in the March, 2020 crashes. I didn't, I didn't understand. I'm like, why are some people dancing? Like it's the best thing ever. And some are crying, like Beelzebub in the room. And then I started this whole rabbit hole of, Oh, it's the stock market. What does the stock market do? And it's the business what's business. Oh, it's mindset. What is mindset it goes down to spirituality. And I'm like, Oh, it yeah. comes down to essentially what you believe and what you think. Um, but that whole tangent side, essentially. Um, yeah. I I've been very uh, focused on more, realizing what you're doing like if i move my hands i actually notice instead of like flailing flailing it around like a crazy italian person kind of thing so i i can vouch meditation is very important um would you say more like the 10 seconds in hold for 10 10 out to help cool off or don't have to be so extreme maybe five in five hold five out or like maybe they're in a stressful board meeting kind of thing well when they can't they can't like breathe in the corner, like, like Josh does.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about regulating your uh, breath. You can always do that. You you can't necessarily do the yoga position and the the hands and all that sort of stuff, but you certainly can direct your attention to your breath and begin to control your breath, right? Begin to slow things down. And especially if you notice that you're starting to get, you know, what some people call like triggered or you're starting to get into that stress response where your thoughts are starting to speed. You're starting to hold your breath. You're starting to feel warm in your face. You're starting to feel like you're sweating and perspiring like me on the show, being (laughs) like, you know, not comfortable, like here with you speaking. So, um you can notice that and you can intentionally take deep breaths. And yes, typically what you want to do in order to change the dynamic, when you're stressed, your breath is shallow and high and rapid, or you're holding your breath, right? Mm -hmm. So what you want to do in order to change out of that stress response and back into more of a, you know, a rest and digest response, a parasympathetic response, then you want to be able to hold your breath longer, like take it in, say on a four count, hold it on a five count, let it out, say on an eight count, hold it for a five count, then in for a four count. So in other words, you really want to be able to make the exhalation longer. A lot of times, um, Singing is a really, unfortunately, people can't sing in a board meeting, but they definitely <laughs> can hold their breath and let the breath out very slowly. But if one way sort of to practice this is like why a lot of people do OM, you know, you do humming or OM or these kinds of these types of meditations do help with that extended breath. It helps with the long exhale, right?
0: Yeah. I was, I was, was going to ask, like, let's say I, I hypothetically, I'm in a board meeting and I, I just got in and I'm, I'm all jittery. <laughs> Words are going faster than uh, they are now for me. Um, so it was be would be because no one's around. It would be the breathe slowly, catch yourself. Um, let's say I have to present though, so I have to keep my hand still. Like I usually flip a pen to keep myself calm. But I usually do it off screen, kind of thing. I can't do that. And because everyone's going to be looking at this then if I'm presenting. So, what would be maybe something you would recommend to me in this big high stakes sales uh, with the board meeting?
1: Oh, that's really great that you're talking about the high stakes sales. So, again, A lot of what you're really wanting to do is to build this capacity so this is why a meditation practice is so really helpful because you really want to be able to build the capacity to stay strong build the anchor right where you feel that you know where your calm zone is and that you can access it like whenever you need to right so this is part of the practice piece the other piece, of course, in the high stakes um, presentation, of course, is really being prepared. Like, right, A lot of people don't realize how prepared you need to be in order to actually feel calm in these um, situations. So a lot of times practicing and giving the presentation on numerous occasions is really a way to begin to build the confidence that on the actual day you'll be calm. Right. In terms of what to do with a fidget thing, I don't know. um, Again, I don't know how trying to find another way, you know, to do that, whether like with your toes or with your, you know, foot or even with a little movement, moving here, moving there again, figuring out another thing that you could do that helps to keep you grounded.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it would be kind of working your way through all of that.
0: Yeah. One of my unhealthy habits, I I've killed it now. Well, I didn't literally kill it metaphorically killed it off. Um, is I would pick my hair and I would pull it, like actually pull it out and then nail. Yeah. I, there was a huge ball spot here and I was just all like, Oh, I got to stop that kind of thing. So what I, I started doing is I, I rubbed my nails together like this. Cause I used to, have, <laughs> I used to have a bad uh, nail biting problem too. So it was just like, it went from nails to hair to beard. And then I'm like, we're just going to rub the nail.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's
0: not weird if you just sit there like this yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So basically you were looking for a self-soothing response, right? Mm-hmm. And you could get that self-soothing to essentially go. Um, also, I think that a lot of times, um, yeah, a lot of times it's, You know, when you touch yourself, like usually um, that warmth of your hand, like even just noticing that the warmth of your hands on your thighs, for instance, or the weight of your body in the chair, or even just noticing your Like we mentioned before, um, your heartbeat or noticing your breath or noticing your feet on the floor. Like anything about trying to bring the attention back to yourself in an effort. These all these things can also be grounding, centering, soothing. So, again, you can find new ways to self-soothe and also new ways to sort of ask for help if you want somebody else also to soothe. So a lot of times another great strategy is really like looking into the eyes of someone into the face of someone and talking to somebody that you really trust. Now this can be challenging when you're presenting to high stakes people, you can feel that they're judging you very harshly and nothing is more stress making and anxious making than feeling that very important people are judging you harshly. So here again, this is something inside of your mind, a place where you can watch out for those kinds of thoughts and change those thoughts and really actually look out at the people and see the people as people who are actually wanting you to succeed, actually wanting to receive the information, actually eager to see you there, to be there, to implement the information, to uh, learn more about the product, to write whatever it is that you're imparting. So you can change those thoughts that are, that are basically interpretations of what the people are doing. You can, instead of making bad interpretations, worst case scenario, you could actually assume goodwill, assume interest, uh, assume that, you know, that you're going to be friends, that you're going to work well together, that you're going to Things are going to go well. Right. So a lot of times in our mind, we can do some of this like catastrophizing where we imagine the worst case scenario rather than imagining the best case scenario. So here again, this is where we get more into how is your mind is working. Is it working for you or is it working against you?
0: No, the, especially the last bargain, the, the worst case scenario. <laughs> I was I um my brain would always assume the worst it'd go like high pistons on emotions and anxiety. And, uh, to be honest, if you even chatted me like three years ago, I was a a wreck. I couldn't, I couldn't keep a sentence straight. I couldn't do anything because I was just sitting there like, Oh, like probabilities of this. And I just literally be shaking, thinking everything and everyone's like, Josh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, fine. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's the thing, right? We can take all these trips, all these really scary trips in our head, right? So that's the other thing, too, is just sort of trying to stay present and noticing what actually is going on, right? Noticing that you're listening to me, noticing that you're thinking about what I'm saying, noticing that you're trying to help me in the interview to be calm and to, you know, ask, you know, tell interesting stories or ask questions, right? So noticing that you and I are here together, actually, trying to make this thing work well. Mm -hmm. Right. So feeling that rather than at odds with one another, we're actually cooperating with one another in order to, to deliver value to your listeners. So again, what you, what you think about rather than thinking, no, this person is here to trip me up. This person is here to ask me questions. I don't know this person. Right. So here again, uh, It's important to notice how you're thinking about the situation because you're absolutely right. Your feelings will follow your thoughts. So if you think, you know, quote unquote, good thoughts, you'll have positive emotions. If you think, quote unquote, you know, catastrophic, the worst case scenarios, you're going to have negative thoughts like fear, anger, sadness, disgust, contempt, guilt, shame, Right. All the the whole gambit, regret, remorse, all of these um, negative feelings will follow from those thoughts. So that's another really big thing that I do when I work with clients. We're always again, this mind piece, we're always looking for these beliefs. You know, the use you called it the spirituality component, which is really just more about. Your understanding of the world and how it works, your understanding of who you are, who others are, what you can expect from them, what you can expect from the world, what you can expect from the situation, like all of these things is kind of like our map of the territory. It's not the territory, but it's our understanding of the territory. And this understanding might have glitches that need to be, um, if then, if you will, if then clauses that need to be revised, associations that need to be Reestablished or broken, yeah. Or new true. associations need to be made. That kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. that is a lot of what you can do in coaching.
0: Oh, it's very true. Um, uh, the the coaches I've had throughout my lifetime. That's the biggest one. It wasn't even like I I still do martial arts, and now I just joke with him. It's just my Wednesday therapy with punching, essentially. Now, yes. <laughs> um, but I told a lot of it. What he told me is like, well in life, everything's risky, but now risk itself is not bad, but it's like, if you do pile too much on then, then even though it's air quote, not bad, it's going to hurt for you as
1: Exactly. So a lot of it is risk management. And unfortunately, this is another thing that a coach can do for you really basically is to help you sort out what's too much and what's like, okay, it's time to stretch. Right, You're in your comfort zone and all this is is a stretch, which is an opportunity, but you want to stay in your comfort zone. Sometimes it really is out of out like it's sort of out of control and then you need to try and rein it in. So these um, these are the kinds of things that, like I mentioned, a coach can really help people to sort out, sort out their priorities, sort out their goals, sort out. Um, yeah. What they can say no to, what they can delegate, what they can let go of so much um it's crazy, but so much usually in coaching is about letting go rather than taking on new things. It's about letting go of old things that no longer service,
0: oh yeah, that's the biggest one the the biggest one for me is I had a irrational fear of judgment and failure and all that. And um, so I always assume people are talking more about me behind my back or thinking, Oh, he did this witty thing. He's not cool or whatever. And then it was an offhanded comment from one of my bosses uh, I work with. And I, I did something goofy and then like he walked around and I mentioned, Oh, like, what do you think of you? Like, honestly, Josh, I don't think about you as much as you think I, I do. I don't like jokingly cause he's very sarcastic and hard, uh, Um, negative person I said yeah you can barely think about yourself
1: (laughs) yeah well and that is something to understand most times people are focused on themselves because they really do have a lot going on in their world that they are trying to deal with so but I think for you uh, again I think it's always for everyone, it's very important to recognize that our understanding of the world is built on real life experiences. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes we do draw the wrong conclusions. See, this is one of the things that I loved about being a scientist, because my job was essentially to go out. First of all, it was to. Um, really understand a lot about what had already been studied. That was step one. But step two was really to create hypotheses. And this is where I could test theories, like learn theories, test theories. And then so the job was really to go and collect data and then to try and see whether the data proves the hypothesis or not. And a lot of times we as we as as human beings, we are many scientists. We we build from the ground up. Right. We build theories about how the world works. But the problem is we stop testing those theories to see if they really are valid. Right. Instead, we start to treat that like truth. And then we start to defend our truth and we start to look for more evidence that will support that. They call this the confirmation bias that Mm -hmm. will support our understanding of the world. And this is really the challenge. The challenge really is to understand that by definition, our understanding of the world is number one, limited, very, very, very limited. The world is like, like if you could know everything, that would be like a hundred percent. We maybe can know three to four to 5%, right? So the point is by definition, it's flawed because it's, incomplete. Right. So the other thing, but there are so many other things that about what we are theories, right. That we just never, we never, we don't recognize it as theory. We think it's the truth. So for me as a scientist, this was really very helpful. Plus even after I, um, even after I Gather the data, I still have to be really careful with the interpretation. Like, what can I really say based on the data? A lot of times people overstate what the, date, the data means. So you have to be really cautious with your interpretations. Plus, a lot of times we don't have enough, we haven't collected enough data from enough different populations to really understand what's going on. So, all of this really helped me to understand that. My understanding of reality is by definition very limited and and very flawed and perhaps very erroneous. So I really need to understand that this is I'm constantly learning, constantly updating, constantly learning, constantly updating. Trust me, I still don't like it when I run into something that's an error and I get an error message and I find out the harsh reality that this is not how the world works. I really don't like that. And I really end up getting into all that stuff about grief, mourning loss like all the negative feelings that go with it but at least i understand like oh this is life this is life you know constantly updating our understanding of the world and ourselves and others
0: yeah it's a a quote and i'm paraphrasing and i don't know who who originally said it but it's essentially life is a journey of always learning the day you stop learning is the day you pretty much die and that could be multi-layer meaning in and of itself too
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, unfortunately, people like again, we're not really encouraged to understand that this is life. I mean, we know that the people who are successful are lifelong learners, but we don't really understand. It's because basically that's what's like updating our understanding of how things works is kind of the heart of the at the heart of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you know, for me, this is kind of what it means to be enlightened. You're enlightened when you understand that you have a mind. Uh, not that you are your mind, right <laughs> like that is the big distinction when the light bulb goes off and you understand like, oh, my mind is just simply my understanding of reality to date, and it's glitchy as heck
0: <laughs> a lot of okay. error codes everywhere
1: Okay, what? Oh,
0: I just said a lot of error codes everywhere.
1: Yes, yes, and that it's like I've got a lot of buggy code, basically that I've got a. I've got to get in there and iron all that out. I've got to update all those, all that code. But a lot of times, and this has been demonstrated in the literature, a lot of times people get sort of stuck, especially around attachment styles. They get stuck in something very young, which by the way, attachment styles really answer the question to like, who am I? Can others be trusted? And is the world a safe or dangerous place? So usually we get that. We get that in us very early, yeah. the answer to those questions on a very sort of felt level, right? And if you start out with the notion that you are not worthy, that others are not trustworthy and are dependable, and that the world is a dangerous place, and that's kind of your set point, which is like working for you at the bottom, like your default network, mm-hmm. this can be extremely difficult to change those beliefs and to begin to understand, well, I can be trusted with some things Others can be trusted with some things and the world is a mixed bag and I can do what I can do to move towards the juicy parts and away from the scary parts, right? But eventually that is kind of, that's kind of what I feel to a certain extent might've happened with you, given all the bullying that happened and given all the erroneous messages that you received about who you were based on the, the community as a reflection, Right. Because we as, as children can't see ourselves. So no. we're totally dependent on the world to reflect back to us accurately, accurately who we are. And if we get that really inaccurate reflection again, that can go deep and that can be very difficult, a to surface and b to change because of these confirmation bias.
0: Oh yeah. And it's been hard for me and I'm still learning and I'm still going. Um, uh, the, the, like in elementary I was where I am in California there's like back in the 90s there was like the white people city it was where I was but I was I lived below the tracks so I had to go to the city over which was the predominantly Hispanic and uh, yeah at a young age say second or third grade the everyone was kicking and beating me within an inch of my life uh, saying you're the reason why mommy is gone you're the reason why daddy's locked up kind of thing uh, at a young age i had no idea what they were saying and i was just like i'm uh, apparently a terrible person yeah kind of thing and um yeah and it was just one of those uh got to the point um like i, I was they were like just br- they would bruise me on my ribs and everything so i i associated oh I am. Uh, people perceive me as whatever. I can't trust them because they'll hurt me. And then any if, when I would go trust people, they'd immediately hurt me more. And so it kind of got to the point, like like you were saying, I was just like, oh, you just can't trust anyone. You might as well just screw everyone over because they're going to screw you over, kind of thing. It's, I'm not doing that anymore. But for a while, that was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something you had to grow out of. So all I was trying to say about that, yes, is that we need to always honor people's current understanding of the world because it did come from somewhere. Um, Again, it could um, based on their experience. Right. So a lot of times this is why this can be so difficult to understand that, like I said, It's extremely threatening and extremely frightening. It's kind of like an existential crisis that people can can face when they recognize that their understanding isn't necessarily reality, right? Because this is like, oh my gosh, you're totally stripped. Now it can be very frightening, but it can also be very, very liberating because now you can start. Uh, in some ways, start over to understand who you are, who others are, and what the world is. But a lot of times people like, again, our world is going so fast that there really isn't time for a timeout. Unless, like a lot of times when people call it recovery or rehab or right, remediation, it's kind of like you have to go back and learn some stuff all over again. And you don't really have time, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a lot of demands. Like if you're especially like if you're married with kids and you're, you know, so the point is sometimes it can be challenging to take a time out and reconsider what you're doing. And that's why sometimes people can have like midlife crises, right? Something they can hit a wall somehow with their understanding of the world because it doesn't really work for them and they don't really know what they're trying to do. So right, sometimes I, they can go about it in very destructive ways. Oh, is another really great way time for a coach because a coach can really help you again to figure out, okay, why am I feeling so unhappy and why am I feeling that I want to destroy everything? And is that really what I want to do? So here's the question I've been
0: thinking about the whole time Yes. and I you brought it up perfectly. So what if someone is in the middle of the manic state, They're, they're not in the the position to even consider a coach. How would you approach that? Uh, Well, you wouldn't really approach them, but how would you approach them after their fall? And they're, they're realizing they can't sustain this anymore.
1: Okay. Well, here again, you use the word manic state. uh, Like again, that would be like, okay, they probably need a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, wrong question. So that gets us back to that whole thing. When for coaches, you know, we really understand that people are functional and people can do things right. But I'm just trying to say that sometimes we can see this, this disconnect between a person's reality, between a person's mindset and their reality can manifest in a midlife crisis. And sometimes a coach can help a person to push past that. And, um, get on. So I don't really know that, like, again, if a person is experiencing mania, then a coach probably isn't the right choice for them. But if a person understands that they are that they're just maxed out, that they're really unhappy, that they just don't see how they're going to continue to go forward. They're feeling really stuck. They're feeling really overwhelmed. They're feeling quite unhappy in their life, much in the same way that I felt when I went to my, when I sought help through this program. And then I learned a lot of things. And then I came to see like, oh, there's a lot of things here that I can do that I didn't know was my job to do, right? So, again, in that way, then people can start to look around for help. And all I'm trying to say is when they're looking around for assistance, think of coaching because it's a really powerful option that can help uh, help you to sort of sort yourself out. And figure out what you want to let go of and what you want to start moving towards in the future. Oh, 100 percent. So, um it's funny the way you just
0: explained the whole situation, the burnout, the working too much on your plate. You don't know what to do with yourself. Can't really say no to your boss. Cause you're going to get in trouble. Kind of thing. Um, essentially my, my mother, uh, she worked from home and essentially, uh, they did the same thing. They just kept piling on her plate and she just, she was afraid to say, no, like I can't handle this kind of thing. And finally, February she cracked this year, 2022. Um, but my father, she's been with the company like 27 years and pretty much my father was like, just quit. It's not worth it. Kind of thing. She said, well, I need money. This and that I have to pay for the rent. I have to do this. And he's like, yeah, but if you die, it's like, what's the point then? And so then recently, uh, we coaxed my mother into leaving because they essentially, the management was just crazy running around and they just kept piling on her. They're like, Oh, she'll figure it out kind of thing. And she cracked again. And it was, it was a long time. She'll recovered. So like the way you explain it, I'm like, yeah, definitely. Someone like my mother should have called you. and just been like, what do I do?
1: Right. And then had somebody exactly so that's also the really important thing to understand the difference again a coach and a consultant right mm-hmm. so like a consultant would tell you what to do they would look they would see your problem they would diagnose they would say here's what you need to stop doing here's what you need to start doing a coach is really more like somebody who's just going to join you and help you to sort through it ask you questions that can help you sort through it put you through certain exercises to help you think through what you And challenge, you know, some of your assertions some of your assumptions. But really, again, the client is always going to sort of be in control. But yes, your mom could have called me and I could have worked with her to sort of sort herself out and figure out what was really going on with regard to where she was going to draw a line, how she was going to say no, what she was going to do if that didn't work. You know, again, come up with a game plan for self-advocacy, for trying it out, for, you know, step two, step three, step four, until she eventually decided I have to quit, unfortunately. Right.
0: And pretty much what we, we all told her is, um, because she cracked you, the, what I told her, I said, I knew something was wrong because you have a very chipper voice and your voice was very, very monotone, very I'm here kind of thing. And I told her, I said, that's not your voice. That is a broken voice. That is not yours. (laughs) So we need to fix that.
1: Yeah, so that's so great that you were paying attention to that. But yeah, I like that you're using the word burnout because that really is, especially as it relates to stress management, the word that we would use more like less like a midlife crisis and more like just burnout. You come to the end of your again, your strategies for coping. And um, that's where we can really sort of a coach. I could help people sort out what their strategies for coping are and then try and see what else they could try. And then again, with the client's permission to sort of have a sense of what they might be interested in trying, that could be helpful.
0: Wonderful. I, I'm just curious. I just realized the time, it just flew so quick. How long do I got you for?
1: Um, we, we can stop or we can go a little longer if you need to, if we want to.
0: I was just curious because I'm like, a lot of people have, it's a hard stop at one kind of thing. Um, then a few other questions and then, um, yeah. And then we'll... First of all, this has just been fantastic. And whoever's made it this far, you're a freaking champ. Uh, Where can everyone get you? Uh, Like contact you at?
1: Great. People can find me at BoschIntegrativeWellness.com. Again, you spell Bosch like um, the appliance, B-O-S-C-H. Integrativewellness.com. And when they go to my website right away, at the very first, the thing that I really recommend people do is just schedule a call. Um, get a free 20 minute consultation. Just jump on a call and um, let's talk about what's going on and let's see how coaching can help. If I can't help you, then I'll give you like a direction to move in, but you'll get something out of the call.
0: Perfect. Um, so, other than that, um, Is there anything specifically you wanna go into that I I bumbled or missed?
1: No, I think we pretty much um, talked about it. I think um, covered everything. I think it's just really important to know that a coach really can um, facilitate your process, right? They can help you, um, they can provide that safe space. They can give you that personal attention so that you can get that tailored approach. They can assist you with skill development. They can help you define your goals. They can add more accountability to your life. So often it's really easy for us to let ourselves down, but we wouldn't let others down. So a coach having somebody there who's really sort of like, no, I got to get it done because I got to tell my coach I did it. That kind of thing can be really helpful. A coach can encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. They can encourage you to define your values. They can help you to see yourself more clearly. They can offer a different point of view. They can offer additional resources. They can help you make tough tough decisions. And more than anything, like a coach is kind of enthusiastic about the change process. And a lot of times when you need to change or when you're like in the end of your rope, yeah you're not too enthusiastic, so a coach can really help to um, you know infuse that little bit of um, you can do this right and got this. excitement that's right insight excitement to get going and also that bit of um like you talked about that bit of it's normal um, and you can do it others have done it, and just like you've done hard things in the past, you can do this too, right so a coach can really help you to Yeah. Not go it alone to do it faster, not go it alone and basically make sure you stay on track.
0: Wonderful. I love it. Um, I want to, that's just so beautiful. So um, I got like two going out questions for you. Okay. So I've asked this before, but I want to know since last time we chatted, is there anything new you're doing other than work to keep yourself busy?
1: anything new that I'm doing other than work. Well, right now I'm reading a couple of books that are really, really fascinating. Okay. And um, one of them is What Got You Here Won't Get You There, which is really about defining how it is that, you know, we really do come to the end of our skill sets. And then the other one is, you know, um, Good Girl's Nice girls, good girls still don't get the corner office again, looking at how people can get stuck in their careers because they are following social prescriptions that just simply aren't serving them.
0: That's interesting. So it's the you don't have to be a completely like bitch, I guess, but it's like the more assertive, like, no, I am not going to take that kind of thing. And you'll actually grow.
1: Well, unfortunately, it's kind of like what we're understanding is that <laughs> okay. nice, nice really is a prerequisite, but it's not sufficient, right? You know, we have to have necessary and sufficient. And a lot of people are afraid of being a bitch. And this is in part what's um, creating the problems. But there are ways to go about getting what you need without being a bitch and or without being concerned about it. If people do view you as a bitch, right? Right
0: that's impressive. Um then the other one is um since we last chatted what are um some new goals you have in mind for the future.
1: Well, I'm not sure. I know, yes. So that's the other thing. Um I'm doing some sorry, I, you said not work related, but I am taking some new training. I'm really excited. I want to also okay. branch out into leadership. And executive coaching, so that I can really help the leaders to, you know, clean up their mindsets and really take good care of themselves, so that they really can make that impact and help people. So I'm really excited about um, that possibility of working with a, a new niche, if you will. So are we what, like are you going through a course or something? Or? Yeah, it's a training course exactly. Okay,
0: I would say, but most of the successful coaches that I know of and I've chatted with, they've never, for their executive clientele, I mean, the, the certificate's nice, but they prefer more seeing a track record than anything else. Yes. Uh, yeah, the, it, that's the biggest one they've told me, like a certificate's nice, it's not really gonna sway them, it's more seeing the track record, like you help so-and-so achieve 200% in like three years, I want whatever that is, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think a lot of it is just gearing up. And so that, you know, that you're for me, um, I prefer the training and the gearing up basically just so I really kind of have a sense of what I'm doing rather than just jumping out and um, seeing how it goes. (laughs) But again, that's like me, you know, that's my preference. And I also want to know that I'm sort of doing science back. It's always science back for me. I really want to know that what I'm offering clients isn't just something that I made up, but something that really does have evidence that on average, it helps people to succeed. So that's really, I want to know that I'm grounded in best practice.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, the same for me, my coach slash martial arts instructor is like, Josh, you just get out there, fall a lot, get scuffed up. And then near the end, you'll be fine. And I told him like, but I don't know the game plan. Like, cause we're martial arts. So we talked in, we talked in theoretical wars. I'm like, you don't just run into a battle with your eyes closed and hoping for the best. You strategize, you, you map out everything kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm mapping out the terrain before I go out there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, this has been an absolute honor. As always, you're you're always welcome on here whenever you want.
1: Thank you, Josh. It's been really fun to be with you. And I really just appreciate the opportunity to, you know, to champion, if not me as your coach, just coaching in general. It's a very powerful tool that a lot of people don't know about yet and really haven't had um, the opportunity to experience.
0: Yeah. And it's very powerful. And I think there's going to be a big renaissance where a lot more people are going to be more willing to hire coaches because they re, they see it's like, oh, I can't be alone anymore. I do need someone.
1: Yeah. And the nice thing about seeing a coach is they're really, you know, a coach can just be about peak performance. So there really doesn't need to be any stigma. Like, you know, if you go to a therapist, it can be more stigmatizing. Plus, it's getting more hard to find therapists and it's also getting more. Um, it's also getting more expensive. Uh, with uh, deductibles yeah, yeah. and copays, and you know all of this type of thing, and people definitely are struggling with their mental health, and a lot of people don't realize that a coach can help them too. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, congratulations! You made it to the end. You are a awesome person. Not many make it here. So, being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast? uh, services you're using, um, app. If you do it on Apple, uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy, uh, some extra help over on, um, YouTube watch my videos and we, I just mute it and change the channel, <laughs> change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.